talk, we've, we've hit this topic various times lately, and um, I want to go into the actual complete teaching on it today. Um, Wednesday night goes with this as well, so we'll, we'll make all those things available here in a little bit. But um, th- today, how many have kids that are in, in kids' church today have kids in there? Your kids will be coming home with a, a parent note review, and it's, it's, a, it's a kid's version of what I'm about to speak on. And it's basically um, Sons and Daughters of Daddy God is the name of their lesson. And it teaches them what it means to be sons and daughters. And so you're going to learn the adult version. So this week you can go home and you can follow up with your kids. And if you don't have kids, this is for all of us anyway. Um, so we, we need to remember we're sons and daughters. You know, we're not aliens. We're not strangers. We're not servants of God. We're sons and daughters. There's a big difference. Um, and we're not even just friends of God. As cool as that is, like, dude, we want to sing, I am a friend of God. That's awesome. But we're more than just friends of God. We're sons and daughters. I get treatment from my dad that his friends don't get. I mean, he loves them and treats them well. And he's nice to his friends, right? But there's a difference when, when there's a father-son relationship, right? And so I just want to keep drawing our attention to the, that he's our father and we're to be in right relationship with him. And um, there's the, the I, I kind of hit on this a few times lately, but I have to hit it again. There's an orphan spirit on the planet. It's a father, fatherless spirit where, where maybe we don't know who our father is or we've had a bad earthly father or we've had whatever it is. And, and what it's done is it's caused people to not treasure the office of the father. And so for 20 plus years, the, the, we've had the, Bart, the, the Homer Simpsons as our father figures and, you know, all, all these different um, American dad, all these cartoons and whatever it is. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Where father figures were laughed at, looked down upon. What was that uh, old show with uh, the Bundys or whatever? <laughs> what was that called? I can't remember. Yeah, Married with Children. The father figure just became this, this idiot who didn't know what to do, who couldn't make decisions in the family, that mama had to protect the whole family from dad's dumb decisions. He was lazy and he couldn't do anything right, and, and he was a bum, right? And so there's just been this assault on who the father is. And then there, there comes this, I, I talked about last week, where there's an assault, what, what marriage is and what relationship's supposed to be. And we said, well, we don't need a father to be married. We don't need a father to raise this child. Yeah, everyone needs a father. And so the Bible says that his cure for this fatherless spirit is that he would send the spirit of Elijah on the earth that would turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the children back to the fathers. So that's what's going on right now. God is very jealous about his, um, his name, Daddy. And he wants people to know he's good and he's in love with us and he wants to have a fatherly connection with us that's pure and it's untainted. That's the way it's supposed to be. And so, because of this fatherless and this orphan spirit, we've wanted to be mamad. We've wanted to have a mom take care of us. And so, we've, we've gravitated towards people that treat us more like a mom would treat us, rather than how a father would treat us. Are you guys with me? Now, moms deal with kids a little bit differently. Moms don't ever want their kids to feel pain. Even if the pain is good for them, I still, I don't want them to feel it. I don't want them to go through it. I don't want them to have growing pains and all this kind of stuff. Let's, let's make it better. Let's fix it. No, it's okay sometimes to go through that. Dads are like, oh, just put some dirt on it. 
right? I told my, I told my nephew yesterday, he, we had a great time um, at the birthday party, and we all have little burns on it, rug burns or whatever, and he got a rug burn. I was like, put some dirt on it, and he's like, there isn't any dirt in here, and he's, he's crying because he wants a mom to come in. Oh, it's okay, baby. I'm so sorry you're hurt. So many of us have translated that to how we want God to treat us. Oh, God, just tell me it's okay, and you're, you're okay with everything that I do, and I can do whatever I want. It's okay, baby. God's not like that. God's like, hey, let's go. Take responsibility for yourself. <laughs> you're powerful. You can do this. You have to be in control of yourself. I can't make all these decisions for you. And sometimes we come to God, we want Him to do stuff for us and and just do everything for us. And and we take away the personal responsibility thing out of it. And God's like, wait a second, you're missing a very important part of the equation. I didn't come to give you God control, Jesus control, Holy Spirit control, pastor control, prophet control, teacher control. He came to give us self-control. It's a big difference, right? And so God is wanting to give us daddy treatment. All right? So to understand that, I want you to know how he is. Because some of us, we think of daddy treatment, and we think he's the one that spanks us harder. He's the one that's meaner to us. He's the one that talks harder to us with his voice. He's the one that, that takes stuff away from us, or he's the one that makes all the decisions for me. That's not how God is as a daddy. Amen? So if you want to open your Bibles to James chapter 4, I'm going to read some scripture there. And we're going to get into this and, and go as far as, I, as far as I can go today. And maybe we'll finish, maybe we won't. But I want to talk about positional righteousness and what that means and how that comes into seeing God as daddy. And I, this is so important that we get this. Everybody? This is vital. This is like foundational to the walk with Christ. So James chapter 4, it's after Hebrews, towards the end of the Old Testament, James, New Testament, yeah. <laughs> James chapter 4. I'm going to read here. James chapter 4, and I'm going to start with verse 4. All right? Starts off pretty uh, fatherly. <laughs> you adulterous people. You're cheating on me. This is what God's saying. Hey, you guys, you're cheating on me. You're breaking covenant with me, guys. Remember, we're supposed to be in covenant. You're breaking that covenant right now. Stop it. Do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility towards God? It's enmity. In other words, he's saying if you become friends with the world, you're turning your affections from from father-son relationship or father-daughter relationship to friendship with the world. We're turning our back from God to something else. He says, therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy to God. They set themselves completely against God. You guys okay? It gets better. We're going somewhere. It says, or do you think that the scripture speaks for no reason? That he is jealous and he jealously desires the spirit which he put inside of us. He jealously desires relationship with us. He jealously desires his spirit and him to have oneness and us be part of that equation. Then it says, but he gives us greater grace. Therefore it says, God opposes the proud but he gives grace to the humble and then this is the part we want to hit real quick all right submit therefore to god resist the devil and he will flee from you draw near to god and he will draw near to you 
Cleanse your hands, sinners. Purify your hearts, double-minded. Be miserable for a little while. (laughs) When you read this, I want you to please hear hear all this. Because if you hear that and stop there, you're going to have a really horrible Christian experience. (laughs) Be miserable. Hate yourself for a little while. Weep, cry. Think that you're a sinner. Call yourself a sinner. Look, don't call yourself a sinner. Don't label yourself that. He's saying he's making a point here. He says, turn to God. Because right now you've broken relationship with him. Don't be double-minded. Don't say, I'm in covenant with God, but I'm in friendship with the world. Don't do that. You're double-minded. Stop. Turn. Cleanse your hands. Wash yourself. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter turn to mourning and your joy to gloom. And we're going to stop there. No? No, I'm not going to. Because it says, humble yourselves in the presence of God, and he will exalt you. So all of that stuff comes with the price, right? Like, okay, I humble myself, I mourn, I weep, I cry, I repent, I turn myself to God, I renew my covenant with Him. It's painful for a moment, but when I do that, He immediately exalts me back to the place that I was before. He lifts me up and doesn't want me to stay in that place where I'm a sinner, I need to mourn and not laugh anymore. No, He wants you to laugh from now on. All right? And so I wanted to draw that, draw that distinction there. <clears throat> We are not made righteous by works alone. Say that with me. We're not righteous by works alone. Right? It's by relationship that we're righteous. Now listen to me. In James, um, he goes on and he says, you say that you have faith, but you don't do anything with your faith. You don't work. You don't show works. And then the other one says, well, I have works, but I don't have any faith. He's like, it's impossible. You, you can't have one without the other. They don't, it doesn't make sense. If you see one, you have to see the other. If you see faith, there will be works that come with it. If you see works, it's because of faith. So I can't do righteous things and holy things and pure things and godly things if I don't have relationship and, and, and I'm in right relationship with the Father. It can't happen. I can't, outside of a covenant relationship with God, make myself clean and pure. You guys okay? <clears throat> in Romans 14, verse 23, it's, it goes on and it says, um, and whatever is not from faith is sin. Anything that I do that doesn't come from a response to God in faith towards God can be sin. You guys hear that? All right, we're going somewhere. I just want you to stick with me. These are foundational beliefs that are so important to where we're going. Righteousness is when by faith we turn to God and remain there. Okay, so what I'm wanting to do today is to teach every one of us, myself included, how to stay in right relationship with the Father, how to be in right, how to be righteous people, because I know that that sin is is a temptation. I know that it's tough. How many would say, yeah, that temptation it's it's tough? Hello, you guys there? And I, I'm going to come down here for a little. Like it, temptation's a real thing because it's like tailor made to things that we've desired before. Like the enemy knows what we've desired and what we've done and what we, where we've been. So he's like, well, it worked before. Let's see if it works again. Because there's that, that's, that's the way he works. So temptation is a real thing. But there's a place that we can come to in our relationship with God where we live without sin. I'm not saying that we'll be perfect. I'm saying that we can live without sinning. Now, the important thing here, here is how you define sin. If you think sin not sinning means that you do everything perfect, then that's a bad definition of, of, of not sinning. Let me, let me explain it like this. 
good stuff. These, this is what our kids are learning today, too, so I'm, I'm excited. Let's skip down here for a second. The greatest threat to our life in Christ, in relationship with Christ, isn't behavioral, it's positional. So the greatest threat and the greatest sin for me is not the things that I do through behavior, but what I don't do in relationship with God. Okay, and so I'm going to explain it like this. See, sin uh, is the behavior that we call sin. Like the things we do, like, oh, if you curse somebody, or if you do this, or if you hate somebody... That is the root of sin that's in the heart. That itself isn't the only thing that's part of sin. It's the, it's, the, it's the fruit of it. Excuse me, I said the wrong. It's the fruit of it. The root is something internal. So like when our kids act out, and this is something we're even going through right now. Um, Josiah's having a hard time. It's hard for me not to address the behavior only. I'm like, dude, your fruit sucks right now, Josiah. Stop it. Quit. I don't like this. Your fruit is bad. It stinks. You're not fun to be with. So what we're having to do as a couple is sit down and say, okay, how do we deal with the root of what's causing the fruit? Because we can deal with the fruit all day long, and and what we end up doing is we punish the fruit. See, punishment only deals with what people see. Punishment only deals with the behavior that we can say, oh, see, I punished them for what they did that everyone saw or heard of. Discipline is completely a different, different monster. Discipline goes in and fixes the way we're rooted and established inside, and it fixes the way we think and the way, so that it can adjust the fruit that we produce in our life. So when I discipline my kids, I'm not punishing the fruit. That doesn't mean that there aren't consequences to decisions that are made. That doesn't mean that fruit doesn't need to be dealt with at times and say, hey, you're doing this and it's not okay. What we need to do is say, you're doing this, it's not okay, and this is why it's not okay, and this is why we believe that you're doing this. So a father won't just say, hey, I'm punishing your fruit and your behavior. A father goes, I want to deal with the root of the issue. I want to discipline that. It creates boundaries, and it, and it alters the outcome of the fruit in our life. Is everyone with me? So this is how God deals with us. Sin was not birthed by what we classically define as sin. The, the first sin that came into the, the sin, and we've taught it this way, probably myself included, uh, just trying to, to oversimplify sin, but the first act of sin wasn't when Eve took a bite of that fruit. That was a fruit of her already having sin in her heart. Adam taking a bite of that, of that fruit was not the, 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 the sin that he committed. The sin that committed happened somewhere inside of his heart. Let me tell you why, and, and this hit me just a, a couple of weeks ago and like just slammed me and totally changed how I think about this. Sin entered into, the, into creation when Satan, who was one of God's top angels, uh, a lot of researchers and, and for, for thousands of years have believed that Satan himself was a great musician and he was the chief musician of heaven and that he literally would lead the worship and the atmosphere of worship that was going to God in heaven and that he was a ministering angel unto God. So Satan created sin when he turned his heart away from a relationship to God that was appropriate. So sin did not enter into creation just because Adam and Eve took a bite of the fruit. Sin entered creation when Satan decided, you know what? I'm breaking the the governmental system of family that God's created in heaven, and I want glory for myself. 
He turned away from God. He turned away from covenant with God, relationship with God, and stopped being a son and started being something completely different. So then here's how sin entered into our world, into us. After Satan rebelled against the system of heaven, he comes down to Adam and Eve and he tries to sow the seed of dissension between God and man. Why does God hate sin? If, if it, thank you, awesome. Y'all been listening, y'all been studying, I love it. If, 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 if in my mind I think God hates sin because he hates bad behavior, you're missing the whole point. If you think God hates sin because I'm doing sinful things and it's not bringing honor to his name, that's, that's way down the list of reasons why he hates sin. The reason that God hates sin is because it separates us from him. The thing that hurts God more than anything isn't what we do in behavior. It's in what we do in relationship. You guys okay? So Satan knew this. He, he created dissension and created a, um, he t- had a coup in heaven and took a third of the angels with him that decided to follow him and go this new route, this new way. And so he comes and you, you know what? God's created this new earth. He's created man and woman. He's given them authority on the earth. I want to go to earth and I want to make it my place of rulership because I don't have anywhere right now. So I'm going to set up my government on the earth. And the way that I'm going to do that is I have to break the covenant that God has made with Adam and Eve. I have to come in somewhere and convince them that, if they, that he's holding out on them. Because that's how I felt. God, you're holding out on me. I'm your worship leader. I'm the one that's bringing all these people to honor you. I deserve a little credit. The spirit of it was taking away from something that belonged to God, and he broke covenant because of it. So now he comes to Adam and Eve, and he uses the same spirit that he had in his heart, the evil thing in his heart, and he says, God's holding out on you guys too. Why, can't you eat any tree? Oh yeah, we can eat any tree except this one. When they said that word except, (laughs) it's like a fancy but. (laughs) Except. He's saying, oh, so God said you can eat anything except for that thing. Well, I think he's holding out on you. Well, he said we could, but if we eat that, we'll die. He's like, no, you're not going to die. But when you do, your eyes are going to be open, and you're going to know everything that God knows. That's when sin came in. Adam and Eve created a partnership with an enemy who wanted to drive a wedge between them and their father. From that place of separation, sin is natural. Do you know that I don't get at all offended around people that do things that I call sin? Like, used to? Yeah. Dude, don't talk like that around me. Don't do that thing. Don't do this. Don't, you know, I'm out playing golf or disco and people want to drink beer. I mean, they're crazy people, right? It doesn't affect me. It doesn't bother me, right? Number one, I'm not at all tempted in that area, so it's really easy for me, right? But I can't be mad at their behavior. Because there's a wedge between them and God. And if I feel that way towards the lost, I have to say the same thing for us here. If there's behavior in us that's not appropriate, and we know it's not okay. I mean, we know when we've sinned. Like, Holy Spirit revealed, there's this thing in us. We may, in the moment, like, quiet that voice, but there will be a point in time in the next day or so that we'll be quiet enough, and the Lord's like, hey, you really just messed up there. But what he's trying to do is he's trying to draw attention to something. You know, it's like the, the lights in our car. If the idiot lights, some people call them, come on. It's, it's, they're, they're trying to draw our attention to a bigger issue. 
So when sin happens in our life and it's revealed, you know, I used to think when I was a kid that every prophet that came to our church was going to get up and tell all my sins in front of the church so that I could be brought into line, you know, so that I could be punished for all the things that I was doing. Anyone ever felt that way before? Like you hear someone's prophetic and they get up and they want to start calling and giving words to people and you're like sinking in your chair, hiding from them, right? Because you think, oh my God, they're going to read my thoughts and all the things that I've done. God doesn't allow sin to be exposed to hurt us. It's the idiot light coming on saying, hey, there's a problem in our connection. You guys okay? Is it, are you okay? Yeah. I like we need to turn the air, AC on in here or something. Uh, it's, hot, it's hot to me. <sighs> sin isn't the behavior. Sin is the broken connection with the Father. He absolutely hates it because he wants to be close to us. It's, it's not in his heart at all for us to be separated from him. Like the whole new covenant, the whole basis of it, the main theme and main idea of the whole new covenant was God came to us first and told us how to pray now. And he says, when you pray, pray like this, our Father. It wasn't legal for them to pray like that ever before in the history of God and man's dealings. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes and says, hey guys, from here on out, he's my father, he's your father too. So when you pray, I want you to talk to him as your daddy. And he broke all the rules that had been there before. And all of a sudden, he gave us the rights to be called sons and daughters. He purchased us with his own son's blood to redeem us so that we could have full rights as a son or daughter. You guys okay? Amen? That was the whole purpose for it. And then in John 15, again, it's one of my favorite just chapters in the whole Bible. He says in John 15, 4 and 5, remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. So if there's fruit that isn't lining up with the way a Christian or a godly person should, then I'm, my, I'm connected to a different vine. All right. He says, you can't bear fruit unless you remain in me. And then he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I remain in him, he will bear much fruit. And apart from me, he won't be able to do anything. This is what the Lord's trying to say to us today. Don't focus on behavioral issues. Find out why, why the behavioral issues are there. Find out why I, I, I do this thing or every, I'll go through a cycle and I end up doing this thing that I really don't want to do and I don't want, I don't want to keep doing it. Find out what it is. There's, that's a fruit of something inside that God's saying, hey, somewhere there's a wedge between me and you. Somewhere there's a separation between my heart and your heart. We've got to fix that. Because the, the, the thing that will happen always is if I'm not connected to God, I will do things that people that aren't connected to God do. I don't think that, that, that Satan even knew what he was birthing in his rebellion. I don't think he had a clue. I don't think he knew the evil and the darkness that would come with his decision to break covenant with God. The Bible says, in him, in him is life. So the moment Satan separated from him, I don't think he, I think that he was like immediately regretting this decision. <laughs> Immediately, what did I do? I did not know that I just cut myself off from life and have now made a covenant with death. 
That's why the Bible says the wages of sin is death. It's not the behavior that kills us. It's the separation that kills us. I cannot live not separated to the Father. I can't survive without being with Him. It's like a fish out of water. You can make it for a little bit, then they're going to really struggle, and then they're not going to last any longer, right? That's the PG version. They're <laughs> not going to last anymore. They're going to end. They're going to be dead. You and I, for a moment, it seems like I can survive without God. I'm okay. Then there will come a point where there's a struggle and there's a separation and there's a pain because the thing that kept me alive before is no longer in my lungs. And it breaks us down. And the immediate result is destruction, pain, suffering. But the end result will always lead to death. That's why he's warning us all through the New Covenant, through Romans and Galatians and all that. Stay away from sin. How? If you're rooted and established in the Father, you won't sin. If you walk after the Spirit, you will not do what the flesh wants to do. Flesh births flesh. Spirit gives birth to spirit. I can only birth spirit in my life if I'm committed and in covenant and connected to the, the vine of the Spirit. But if I've broken that covenant anywhere, I will begin to produce strange fruit. I will begin to produce fruit that sours, that doesn't make my life fulfilled and, con- and make me content. I will immediately begin to bear fruit of death and destruction. Why? Because my, my vine, I am rooted to the wrong vine. And that's why, that's why we talk about this. That's why we go over it over and over again. I want you to know God is a good God. He's daddy God. Right? I mean, he's absolutely amazing. There's nothing about him that's evil. And he wants us to know he's not a scary, and he want, he's not scary because he wants us to come near him. All right? Everybody still with me? So what we would call sin or falling short of God's standard always begins with us removing ourselves from being a son or daughter to God. Amen? In Matthew 11, verse 27 through 30, I want to read this. It's from the message. It's just more beautiful, more beautifully written, more poetic. It's Matthew eleven twenty-seven 27 through 30. It says, Jesus resumed talking uh, to the people, but now he was talking tenderly. And that, see, you don't get that in other translations. I mean, I wouldn't read this only and not read other translations, but you just don't get. Now he's talking more tenderly to him. It's awesome. I love it. It says, the Father has given me all things. He's given it all to me, right? And he says, this is a unique father-son operation. Coming out of a father and son intimacies and knowledge. No one knows the son the way the father does. And no one knows the father the way the son does. So he's not like bragging to him like, look, no one knows God the way I do. And no one knows me like God does. He's not just bragging on him, like dropping names and stuff. Because then he immediately says this. Look, I know God in a way you don't, and God knows me in a way you don't. But I'm not keeping it to myself. (laughs) I'm ready to go over it with you line by line for anyone willing to listen. How awesome is that? I'm willing to go over it line by line if you're willing to listen. And then he says this. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? 
If you say yes, come to me. Get away with me. And you'll recover life. You'll get your life back. Everybody with me? I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn, and this is my favorite part. (sighs) Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. The unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. (laughs) Keep company with me and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. Look, positional righteousness. If I will turn to the Lord and stay turned towards Him, righteousness will flow out of me because I'm connected to Him. If I turn away from the Lord, unrighteousness will flow out of me because I'm not connected to life. I mean, it's like very simple elementary terms right there. That's how it is. It's basic. Now, now putting into practice takes discipline. Because I, I, I can tell, um, like the older I get and the longer I walk with the Lord, um, it's becoming easier for me to feel when my heart's slipping away from Him. But that takes so much practice and I'm still not good at it. <laughs> I can still go a day or two or weeks and God's like, hey, you, you've missed me somewhere over here. I, I told him Wednesday night that we're, Mandy and uh, Matt and Vanessa and myself, we're all doing a leadership development program um, that, that we're paying for. We want to be trained. We want to do better as leaders. And one of the things that they, they t- ask us the first week is, what area of your life have you stopped being a son or daughter? And we have to answer that question and like send it back into them, right? Like we're being graded, and they want to know this stuff. But them just asking me that question, I had to stop and think. Because I was like, man, I have no clue. I don't even know. I had to get away with the Lord, and it literally took me a couple of days to actually be able to write my answer in, and the Lord told me what my answer was supposed to be. He said, you've stopped being a son with me in your prayer life and in your ministry life. I'm like, what do you mean by that? He's like, you're always in leader mode. You come to me, and you pray, and you don't even talk about yourself sometimes. You go to minister and you're not even, you're not, you don't, you're not as a son with me. And you're, you're talking to me as co-manager instead of son. And the Lord's saying, stop. I just want you to be son again. I just want me and you to hang out. Let's not talk about business. Let's just be together. And I started thinking about that. It took me a while to realize that my heart, and this has been going on for years. Literally for years, that's been my prayer life has shifted from just me needing to be with daddy to, yeah, I need to be with daddy, but I'm also a pastor, and I need to know what we need to do here and here and here. I need a word for the people. I need to teach the people. I need, I need to disciple. I need to give revelation. I need to pray for people. And the Lord says, stop, stop, stop. Be a son. All of that will flow out of being a son. I don't know where you're at and what you're going through personally in your relationship with God, but today I want you to ask, where have you stopped being a son or daughter? Has it become about being mom and dad in the home? To the point where you're not a son with daddy and say, God, what's going on? Fix me. Because if we don't get that first, we're we're getting things out of order. And it makes things difficult. It makes things um, where we have to strive and fight to get progress. When he says, come learn the unforced, 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 unforced rhythms of grace. Like there's a natural flow that comes with being with the Father. 
And if you as a, as a lady come to him as a daughter, and you stay as a daughter before God, and you have that special thing that, that dads and daughters have. You know, have you ever seen that before? Where a dad and a daughter, just they, it's unique and special. My dad and my sister have it, and I'm like, I want a daughter someday because I want that. It's different than dads and sons. All the dads in the room with daughters and sons as well, is it? it's just different. I don't, I don't know why. I, I can't understand it because I haven't experienced it yet. But yet, see, I put the word yet there. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Lord, you know what's in my heart. No. Mandy, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, I told her I'm not going to talk about it anymore. She just have to tell me whenever she's ready, and I will be ready, right? But there, that, if you'll be a daughter with God, if you'll be with her, with Him, and have that, He's He's your protector, and He's He's your favorite, and you're His favorite. Be in that place, and out of that, unforced rhythms of grace will flow into your family, will flow into your marriage, will flow into your being a mom, being a dad in your business, you may have a crazy atmosphere at work. Don't come to God, God, we got to fix my work. Come to God as a daughter, and out of that relationship, let it flow out of you. We can't force things to come out of us. The kingdom's not about striving and force. The kingdom's about rest. And there's no place of rest like being a son or daughter. Huh. How many of you have ever thought this? And I wish I could be 10 years old again in mom and dad's house where I know they're going to take care of the food and the bills and I don't have to worry about the doors being locked at night or who's in the yard and getting my gun ready. I don't have to, the daddy does that, mama does that. And like I tell my kids sometimes, like, you guys have no idea how free you have it right now because someday all the things that mama and I have to do, you're going to have to do. And you're going to see how it's different. And so sometimes I'm like, God, I just want to be a kid again. I want to be seven again where the whole world is just right and perfect. Why? Because when we position ourselves as a son or daughter, stress comes off. The weight comes off. The tension, the I've got to take care of this goes away. You can be a son or daughter and still be a mom and dad. And God wants us to learn what that's like. He wants us to learn what it's like to protect our relationship and connection to him. And we say it a lot in worship, but we, we really mean it as far as lifestyle. Don't disconnect from him. Don't, don't disconnect from him right now. Like, this is a great moment, and we're all pursuing God, and we're connecting to him right now. Don't break connection. Stay connected. I hear the Lord saying that to us today. Find that place that's just broken, that, that breach in the wall, and that connection between us and him. And say, God, fix that. Fix it. You know, for some of us, and I'm closing with, 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 with this, some of us, a, a, a bill comes in the mail that we're not expecting, and that's when our connection with God breaks. And that's when we stop being a son or daughter, because we're like, I got to hustle to get this fixed. Some of us, there's a family sickness that comes in, and we break connection to the Father because now we got to fight for healing, and we got to strive for healing. Look, there's a time to war for it, and I'm all for warring and fighting the enemy and, and, and going after him. But no one fights better than a son or daughter. Just nobody does. No one fights for the kingdom like a son or daughter. You guys still with me? Yes. And so protect that connection. Um, I, I think it was about a year or so ago when I may mention to this, but um, 
there was a line in a movie that just spoke to me, and I, I pray all the time to God, no space between us. No, no space between us, God. I don't need my space, and you don't have your space, God. There's no space between us. We are in heart-to-heart connection. And that's the Lord speaking to us today. No space between us. Don't let there be space. Don't let there be separation. Because that separation will open us up to a world of pain, suffering, and hurt that he doesn't want us to have. He doesn't want us to feel those things. He said, I came to give you life abundantly. Amen? So I would just like for for Kyle to just Throw on um, some worship music, and again, we're going to open the altars. If this was a word for you, if you felt God tugging at your heart, saying there's, there's a, a space that we need to close in, the gap between us, then just come to the front right now. This, again, we're going old school from here on out. We want to seek the Lord. The altar is a, a holy place. Amen? So, I mean, if you don't want to come up here and you want to kneel at your prayer, that's fine it doesn't, at your chair. It doesn't bother me. Let's just all respond. Whatever he's saying, respond to him. All right?
Father, we ask that you help us to protect and, and to guard our connection to you. Before anything else, Lord, I pray you teach us this one thing. I think it's the key foundation to everything, Lord, is to protect our connection to you. To not hide from you, to not run from you in any area of our life, Lord, to keep anything hidden, no, none of it, Lord. We want to protect our relationship above all things. God, I ask that the first thing in our thoughts, Lord, would be to stay connected to you. I pray, Lord, that the first thing we think when we wake up is I'm going to live connected to God today. Father, I pray that the thought that goes through our head before we go to sleep is I'm going to stay connected to the Father. I'm going to stay connected to Him. God, I ask that you would stir this into a, uh, a core value of this church, Lord. We protect our relationship with the Father. We protect our covenant with Him because we want to be connected to life and goodness and prosperity in every area. Father, I pray that um, you would be our first love, that there won't be any others, Lord. Father, I pray that you would increase our, the warning time <laughs> from when we feel our, our hearts slipping from you. I pray that we would be easily disciplined, Lord, that we will be easily brought back to closeness with you. I, I pray that it won't take um, pain or suffering or, or distance or, or moments, weeks, and time uh, to, to, to realize where we've slipped. I pray that it's an immediate thing, Lord, that it's a quick, Lord, I felt my heart slip there. I ask you to fix that. I, I felt... I've been distant from you today. Help me to get back where I'm supposed to be with you. Lord, I, I pray you teach that to us as a church that will be known for this, that, that the people at the Bridge Church protect their heart connection to God and that we, we can teach others to do the same. And Father, I pray that out of that, the natural flow of grace and, and the kingdom comes through our life, Lord.